I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This episode contains distressing themes and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. Dan Brockley was driving along Woodside Road close to Woodsum Hall Golf Club in Huddersfield when a woman stumbled out of the tree line and into the road. It was dark and quiet when the female suddenly appeared, shortly before midnight on Saturday, May 28, 2011. Dan instinctively slammed his foot against the brakes, bringing the car to a screeching halt. The woman scrambled to the passenger side door and pleaded with him to let her in. She was visibly distressed and dishevelled. When Dan took a chance and opened the door, the woman said her name was Michalina and someone had just tried to kill her. Deep in these woods near Huddersfield, a young mother thought she was going to die. The jury heard that he had had several other girlfriends and would often stay out with them all night. This was a heartless and calculated crime. The victim in this terrifying ordeal demonstrated tremendous bravery and undoubtedly saved her own life by escaping from the box that she'd been buried in. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 27 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. Michalina Lewandowska was born and raised in Lazarczyn, a village in the south of Poland. She was one of three children born to parents Miroslava and Jan. In 2005, when Michalina was 21 years old, she began dating Marcin Kaspczak, a local man two years her junior. He was the only child of Majana and Andrzej Kaspczak. 
The young couple quickly fell in love, and within a year they had emigrated from Poland to the UK, close to Kasprzak's parents who were living on Penistone Road in Huddersfield. Kasprzak was an avid weightlifter, who spent hours each week working on his physique in the local gym, until his 16-stone frame was sculpted to what he perceived as his physical ideal. Mikolina and Kasprzak appeared to have a solid relationship, so it was no surprise when they got engaged soon after moving to Huddersfield. A year later, Mikolina fell pregnant with their first child, and they both looked forward to becoming parents. Their son Jakob was born in the spring of 2008, and the family of three moved in with Kasprzak's parents. The following year, Kasprzak was made redundant. When Mikolina finished maternity leave, she began working, altering clothing in Oldham to bring in a wage, but this started to cause problems in the relationship. Kasprzak wanted Mikolina to stay at home and take care of their son. Eventually, Kasprzak secured a position in a meat factory, Country Park Foods on New Hay Road. However, life at home did not improve. Shift schedules meant the couple saw very little of each other, especially as Kasprzak spent most of his free time at the gym or on nights out with his friends. Kasprzak's mother, Majana, was kind enough to take care of her grandchild while Jakob's parents were at work. After getting home, Mikolina often looked after her son without her partner, over a thousand miles from any of her relatives. On the rare occasions she saw her fiancé, they ended up arguing, and it reached a point where they decided to cool off their engagement. Mikolina continued to wear her engagement ring, but not on her wedding finger. By April 2011, the couple were barely on speaking terms. Kasprzak had persistently told Mikolina to move out and leave their son with his mother, but she did not want to give up on her relationship or miss out on spending time with her little boy. On May 28, 2011... Surprisingly, Marcin Kasprzak offered to take Mikolina shopping while his parents took Jakob out for the day. Time alone together was a positive step forward, and Mikolina was excited at the prospect of getting her relationship back on track. Kasprzak had treated her poorly over the past few years. She missed the man she had known when they first met, and she hoped the date he had planned was his way of showing her he was willing to change. That afternoon, Mikolina began getting herself ready in the bathroom of Kasprzak's parents' home. As she was applying her makeup, she could hear voices behind the closed bathroom door. She recognised who it was, her partner and his 17-year-old friend Patrick Borish. Mikolina opened the bathroom door to see what was going on. Kasprzak said he wanted to show her something. As he spoke, he reached into his pocket, and horrifyingly he pulled out a taser. 
Michalina barely had time to react before Kaspshak pressed it against her neck and squeezed the trigger. A surge of electricity went through Michalina's body as Kaspshak pushed her down onto the hallway floor. He kept the taser pressed against her neck. She squirmed in agony, but Michalina remained conscious and screamed for him to stop. The slim-built 27-year-old was overcome by the strength of the 6-foot, 16-stone bodybuilder as he put his knee on her chest to keep her on the floor. Michalina was terrified, and as she looked over towards teenager Patrick Borish, it appeared he had not been expecting the events to unfold the way they had. Kaspshak ordered Borish to get a roll of parcel tape. Borish did as he was told, and when he returned with the tape, he and Kaspshak bound Michalina's ankles and wrists together. Michalina later told a reporter for the Huddersfield Examiner. At one stage, they talked about a plastic bag, and I thought they were going to put it over my head and tape it up so I would suffocate. I knew I had to remain conscious to escape. Marcin was saying I was hopeless, and he hated me and had done for years. Before he taped up my mouth, I asked if he was going to kill me, but he just said he was going to take me away somewhere and told me not to be scared. I will never forget the look on his face. He was incredibly calm, which was even more worrying. I was terrified my neck was in agony and I was tied up and I couldn't fight him. While Michalina was on the floor, Kaszczak voiced his fear that she was going to leave him and take their son to Poland. He wasn't going to let that happen. Kaszczak cruelly told Michalina that Jakob was going to forget her and she would forget him and for her own safety it would be better for her never to show her face in Huddersfield again. Over the course of the next five hours, Kaspshak continued to berate Michalina and tell her that the girls at his gym were better looking than her, and she was not good enough for him or their son. When her fingers turned blue from poor circulation caused by the tape wrapped around her wrists, Kaspshak loosened the constraints. He also brought Michalina to the bathroom and gave her a banana and some water, but these minimal acts of kindness were interspersed by a torrent of abuse. Shortly before 9pm, Kaspshak and Borish lifted Michalina up and placed her inside a large cardboard box. Kaspshak closed the lid and taped it shut before he and Borish lugged it outside to his car and placed it in the boot. From inside the vehicle, Michalina heard the engine start and felt the motion of the car as it pulled out of the driveway. The radio was playing loudly, but she could hear Borish and Kaspshak speaking in hushed voices in the front seats, although she couldn't make out what they were saying. Only a short time passed before the car came to a stop and the box was lifted out of the boot and turned upside down. As the box was dragged along the rough ground, rocks and stones dug into Michalina's body but she tried her best to remain silent. 
Lying face down inside the box, Michalina could hear the sound of a spade hitting dirt, and then the thuds of mud and stones hitting the cardboard. It was at this point she realised she was being buried alive. Michalina would recall, I couldn't move and I was terrified that I would lose consciousness and wondered whether I would ever wake up again. Michalina realised the air was limited in such a confined space. I heard a spade digging and then the soil falling on top of the box. I thought, this is it, I'm going to die. It was pitch dark and there was hardly any room. I was terrified that I was going to suffocate, so I started breathing as shallowly as I could. As she listened to the sound of soil being shoveled on top of the box, Michalina thought about trying to pry it open from a small slit used to carry it, but she was afraid that Kashpshak would see and break her fingers with the spade. When the shoveling stopped, Michalina was too afraid to move or make a sound in case Kashpshak was still waiting to attack her. After what felt like an eternity, she knew time was of the essence. Michalina had to escape. Michalina's mind focused on her little boy Jakob, who was her entire world and the only family she had in the UK. She recalled, I didn't hear the car, but after a while I knew that I had to get out whether he was still there or not. All sorts of things were going through my mind, but I tried to keep calm. Spurred on by the love for her son, Michalina decided to use the only thing available to her to cut the bindings around her wrists and ankles. Thinking logically, she remembered the diamond engagement ring Kaspshak had given her five years earlier. She used it to slash at the tape around her wrists until it tore apart. The ring, as it turned out, was invaluable. Without knowing it, Kaspshak had given Michalina the tool she needed to escape death at his hands. Once she could move around, Michalina used the ring to hack at the top of the cardboard box, frantically tearing at the card until she made a hole. Dirt and soil began falling in on top of her, covering her face and hair. Determined, Michalina pushed her hands upwards, making the hole wide enough so she could get her head and body out, up through the soil before taking in huge gulps of air as she caught her breath. All she could see under the night sky were trees and leaves on the forest floor. Nicolina estimated that she spent around half an hour inside the box beneath the soil with a limited air supply, and then exerted an incredible amount of energy in order to escape. She had almost passed out. Exhausted, having to move a large tree stump that had been dropped on top of the box, Nicolina began screaming for help. She could hear the faint sound of music playing in a nearby pub, so she stood up and began walking towards it. Michalina staggered through the dark woods until she reached the roadside, 
managing to flag down Dan Brockley, who just so happened to be driving by. The police arrived at the scene within 15 minutes. Mikolina Lewandowska led them to an area deep within the woods. It was around half a mile from the Woodsum Hall Golf Club and just over 30 metres from the road. There were no residential properties nearby. In a naturally formed depression in the soil, the officers found a large cardboard box partially covered with leaves, soil, twigs and large branches. A fallen tree stump had been placed across the top of the box, which had collapsed under the weight of the dirt and remnants of a tree. While Michalina was taken to the hospital to have her injuries assessed, scenes of crime officers were busy collecting evidence. Using large bags, they scooped up the dirt and foliage from the top of the cardboard box. There were a number of indentations in the soil close by that the officers believed had been made with a spade. West Yorkshire Police scenes of crime officer Carl Ackroyd would later say that he thought someone had attempted to dig a hole in the dry soil but could not, so they tried to conceal the box with compacted dirt and pieces of a fallen tree. The box itself and all of the parcel tape that was found stuck to it were taken to be swabbed for DNA and fingerprints. When Michalina was examined, doctors noted scratches and cuts to her neck and back, as well as further injuries on her neck. They were consistent with being shocked with a high-voltage taser. Bruising and tenderness on her back and upper body evidenced that she had struggled within a confined space, and the adhesive tape that had covered her mouth and extremities left residue and small abrasions. After being treated for minor physical injuries, Michalina recounted what had happened. Aware of who they were looking for, Investigators began searching for Marcin Kaspshak and Patrick Borish. Shortly before 4am on May 29th, 2011, around four hours after Michalina escaped, the police found Marcin Kaspshak and Patrick Borish fast asleep at Borish's home on Rashcliffe Hill Road in Huddersfield. During their subsequent interviews, Kaspshak refused to comment and only spoke to his solicitor. 17-year-old Patrick Borish claimed that he hadn't even seen Michalina that night and he was confident there would be no evidence to link him to the attack. A man and a woman in their 40s believed to be Kaspshak's parents were arrested that same day but later released without charge. The following day, police officers and evidence technicians conducted a search of Marcin Kaspshak's parents' home on Penistone Road. In a spare bedroom, there were a number of food and supplement containers and a notice board displaying four different chemical formulas. On Kaspshak's computer and laptop, investigators discovered a list of banned books 
and a copy of the Anarchist Cookbook, an instruction manual written in 1971 that includes recipes for explosives and other illicit items. Discovered within the house were pieces of equipment used to manufacture explosives, such as pyrotechnic fuses, beakers, a welder's mask, and protective gloves. Upon closer inspection of the food containers, specialists found a large quantity of chemicals that corresponded to the formulas posted on the notice board. Carbon sulfur and potassium nitrate were discovered in the containers. A formula on the board listed how to produce gunpowder by mixing the chemicals. Potassium permanganate was also found, and if it had been combined with glycerol, it could have produced a burst explosion. Iron oxide and aluminium powder were also within the home. If they had been combined, it would have produced thermite, a mixture that burns incredibly hot and can cause serious injury. A further formula mentioned ammonium nitrate, listed the measurements to produce an extremely dangerous and explosive substance called ammonium nitrate fuel oil. After the West Yorkshire Constabulary consulted with Alison Mansfield, a senior case officer at a forensic explosives laboratory, they were told that the formula displayed and the mixtures Casp Shack had been researching could have easily been manufactured with the equipment he possessed. If Casp Shack had combined the chemicals, he could have produced a large quantity of explosives. The police spoke to Mikolina Lewandowska, who explained that March in Casp Shack had been experimenting with the chemicals in the past. She didn't consider it too concerning at the time, as he had made what simply looked like fireworks. One firework had accidentally gone off inside the home, leaving a scorch mark on the table. When Michalina confronted Kaspshak about it, he began combining the mixtures outside, which again appeared to be nothing more than fireworks. Detectives questioned Kaspshak about the suspicious chemicals. He admitted that they were his and he was curious about their effects but denied that he had done any research on how to combine them. On June 1st, 2011, Marcin Kaspshak and Patrick Borish appeared before Huddersfield Crown Court charged with kidnapping and attempted murder. Kaspshak was also charged with possession of a prohibited weapon after the police found the taser at his parents' home. The charges were relayed to the defendants through a Polish interpreter, after which they were remanded into custody. Before being escorted out of the courtroom, Boris blew a kiss to his mother, who was sobbing in the public gallery. By the time the pair were brought to a plea hearing at Bradford Crown Court in August, Boris had turned 18, and his name was published by the media. Both Kaspshak and Borish denied the charges and entered not guilty pleas. The trial was scheduled to begin in November, but before the legal proceedings began, 
Borish admitted that he had been involved in the kidnap of Mikolina Lewandowska. As he maintained his not guilty plea for her attempted murder, Patrick Borish was still committed to trial alongside March in Kaspshack. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Centair. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Centair comes in. With over three decades of experience, Centair leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand. And now Centair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. Visit Centair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Centair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Centair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safe for families and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to scentair.com and using promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order at scentair.com. The trial began at Leeds Crown Court on December 5th, 2011. Marcin Kaspshak and Patrick Borish were accused of attempted murder and both maintained not guilty pleas. Kaspshak had also gone on to plead guilty to a charge of kidnapping, along with possessing a prohibited weapon. Opening the case for the Crown, 
Prosecutor Jonathan Sharp QC told the jury that Mikolina Lewandowska and Marcin Kaspshak's relationship began to change after she fell pregnant. Things got worse when she gave birth to their son Jakob in 2008, and they moved in with Kaspshak's parents. His mother Majana did not appreciate Mikolina's parenting style and his father Andre was a heavy drinker which only heightened the tension in the house. The court heard that as Jakob got older and Mikolina returned to work, Kaspshak started to resent her. Kaspshak then began having an affair with a woman named Jenna and changed his relationship status to single on Facebook. The prosecutor said, Around this time, it seems the idea became rooted in marching Kaspshak that the way forward for him was that he and his mother should look after his son, and that one way or another, Michalina should be got out of the way. And that idea developed into him thinking that the only way of getting rid of her was to kill her. In a nutshell, this case is about a young man who got bored with his partner, the mother of his child and he decided to get rid of her. Jurors were told that Kaspshak had asked his boss for the day off on May 28, 2011. He had spent the previous night with the woman he was having an affair with, and Kaspshak told his mother that Michalina would be moving out, so she needed to take Jakob out for the day so he could discuss things in private. Jonathan Sharp QC told the court that Kaspshak had used a 300,000 volt taser to incapacitate Michalina, but it did not paralyze her in the way he had expected. After putting the tape around her mouth, wrists, and ankles, Kaspshak and Borish forced Michalina into a cardboard box and put it into the boot of the car before driving to the woods. There they dug a shallow grave and buried her alive, leaving branches and a large tree stump weighing around 40 kilograms on top of the mound of earth. The prosecutor said, Against all odds and against expectations, she managed to escape and raise the alarm. Michalina was not unconscious, and she was able, although with great difficulty, to get herself out of the box and the earth covering and surrounding it. By the time Michalina had freed herself, Kaspshak and Borish had already withdrawn £500 of Michalina's money from a cash machine at a Morrison supermarket. They were at Borish's home fast asleep when the police came to arrest them hours later. Despite their initial denials of any involvement, both defendants admitted to partaking in the kidnapping. Jonathan Sharp QC told the jury, What happened on that night of Saturday, May 28th will not be disputed by either of them. What each defendant does dispute is whether he did intend that night to kill Michalina Lewandowska. Arrangements were made so that the first witness and survivor, Michalina Lewandowska, could provide her testimony from behind a screen with the assistance of a Polish interpreter. 
Michalina explained that she had been getting ready for what she thought would be a pleasant day of shopping with her boyfriend when she heard Kaspshak speaking with Borish outside the bathroom. She went out to meet them, and Kaspshak pulled out a taser. Michalina testified, I felt this massive electric shock, and an agonising pain shot through me. He dragged me to the floor and kept putting the taser onto my neck. I was screaming for him to stop, but he was too strong for me. The courtroom was silent as Michalina described being bundled into the box which Kaspshak sealed with tape. Michalina admitted that she complied with Kaspshak because she was afraid that he would kill her if she didn't. She recalled hearing the sound of dirt being shoveled on top of the box and waiting for Kaspshak and Borish to leave. Michalina described using an engagement ring to tear through the tape and make a hole in the box. She remembered praying to God when she was overcome with exhaustion. I said to myself, keep going just for a moment. You will manage to get some help. I thought it won't be easy, but I have to get out. I have to get to the street. I was very angry was struggling with the box. It was not easy. I managed to get half my body out. I was lying on the ground. I was talking to myself, keep going. After Michalina provided her statement, she was cross-examined by Kaspshak's counsel, Julian Goose QC. The barrister voiced his belief that his client was only trying to scare Michalina so she would leave Huddersfield. Julian Goose QC told Michalina that there had been two handholds in the box that she could breathe through and implied that Kaspshak knew this. Michalina replied, I can tell you now that they were not left specially or intentionally for me to live. I'm sure that he was going to kill me that he wanted to kill me. Michalina believed that the holes had not been taped shut because Kaspshak was in a rush. He had taped her wrists and ankles together to make it difficult to free herself. Kaspshak's counsel reminded Michalina that Kaspshak had not hit her and he had asked if she was okay, brought her to the toilet and peeled bananas for her to eat. While being cross-examined by Patrick Borish's barrister David Hatton QC, Nicolina said that she did not blame the teenager for what happened, telling the court, I think he was deceived in the same way I was. He was not fully aware of the things Marchin was going to do. Michalina said that it was clear to her that Borish was afraid, and Kaspshak was reassuring him throughout, telling Borish that no one would find out what they had done. As she was watched from the public gallery, Borish's mother burst into tears as Michalina said, I think never in his life before had he had to do what he was doing on that particular day. On the fourth day of the trial, 
the jury was shown photographs of Mikolina Lewandowska's injuries. All were consistent with her account of the events. Scenes of crime officer Carl Ackroyd testified after the jury viewed a video he had recorded of the woodland scene. He told the court that the box had been placed in a hollow depression in the soil next to a bank of earth. Ackroyd explained that he and his colleagues had seen marks in the soil that had been made by a spade. When cross-examined by Kaspshak's barrister Julian Goose QC, the officer was asked, What we're not dealing with here is a hole dug deep into the ground and the box put inside and a large quantity of soil put inside to bury the box. Carl Ackroyd replied, It's not a six-foot deep hole, but it is an attempt to conceal. The officer said they had collected 20 to 25 bags of compacted soil and leaves from the area covering the collapsed box. They had not weighed the contents. Arguing that the witness could not say how heavy the material was, Julian Goose QC said, The majority of the material you found was loose leaf material. That's fairly light soil. One can say it's not terribly thick. You suggest the reason the box collapsed was because of the weight on top, but this is after the box was torn, allowing Michalina to escape. I would suggest the box was not as sound and strong once Michalina tears her way out of it. The jury were then read a transcript of a Facebook chat between Marcin Kaspshak and a colleague from Country Park Foods that had taken place two weeks before the kidnapping, May 16th, 2011. The conversation between Andrew Wilkins and Kaspshak began after Kaspshak changed his relationship status on Facebook to single. Andrew had asked why he had changed it, and Kaspshak told him that he wouldn't change it to another option of its complicated, because it wasn't. Kaspshak told Andrew... I'm not with her anymore. We had a small talk. After Andrew asked if Michalina was still living with him, Kaspshak replied, Yes, but not for long. In a few weeks, we are going to live separately. You're the first person to know about this, but be quiet for now. Marcin Kaspchak took the stand in his own defence. He told the court that he did not like how Michalina was raising their son Jakob and she had been using bad language in front of the three-year-old. Kaspchak said, what she was doing wasn't really what mothers should do with their child. When asked if he thought Michalina was a good mother, he said no, and that was why he broke off their engagement. His counsel asked him if he had discussed his concerns with Michalina, and Kaspshak replied, Every week. I kept asking her to seek help. Obviously psychological. I suspected she had postnatal depression. Kaspshak claimed he had not planned to attack Michalina. He just wanted to tell her to move out, but something his son had said made him furious. 
the defendant told the court. My son told me his mother was scaring him. He said she was putting a shirt over her head and pretending to be a ghost scaring him and telling him that ghosts were in the wardrobe. Kaspshak said that he suspected Mikolina had been putting money aside and was planning on taking Jakob back to Poland with her because she had asked about his passport. Explaining why he invited his friend Patrick Borish over to the house, the defendant told the court that he would have a witness if Mikolina claimed something happened that didn't. Kaspshak insisted that he was just going to speak to Mikolina, but when she came into the hallway he thought of what Jakob had told him, and he just, quote, lost it. According to Kaspshak, he always carried the taser in his pocket for protection after buying it on a trip to Poland months prior, but when Mikolina came out of the bathroom, he squeezed the trigger and held it to her neck for a split second. Kaspshak claimed that Mikolina immediately fell over, but he caught her before she hit the ground. The defendant told the court, Patrick was shocked. I was shocked. I've never done something like that in my life. I looked at Patrick and he was frightened. I didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to do. What crossed my mind was to get tape and tie her up. I don't know why I thought that. I thought if I can tie her up and pack her stuff and let her out, she would be gone. Kaspshak admitted he told Patrick Borish to get some parcel tape from upstairs, and he sat on top of Mikolina while he waited for Borish to come back. When Borish returned, he wrapped the tape around Mikolina's ankles before handing it to Kaspshak. He bound his girlfriend's wrists and put tape over her mouth. He claimed that they then left her in the hallway, but she was able to pull the tape down off her face and began screaming. Kaspshak said that he then retrieved a pillow and sat with Mikolina, offering her some food while he spoke to her. He asked her not to tell anyone that Borish was involved, but Mikolina would not agree so Kaspshak decided he needed to frighten her into staying quiet. At around 9pm, his father came back to the house, and fearing she would be hurt, Kaspshak took a roll of tape and wrapped it around Mikolina's mouth and head three times to silence her. He then lifted her into an old cardboard box and taped it shut so no one would see her. Kaspshak told the court that he initially planned on taking Mikolina close to where she worked in Oldham, and as he drove along the route past the golf club, he decided to leave her in the woods. The defendant claimed to have been shocked when he saw the police footage of the scene, as he had not covered the box with that much soil, and it wasn't that deep when he left it. He did, however, admit to putting dirt and leaves on top of it. Kaspshak said that some large branches were resting on the side of the box as a place marker, so he could easily find Mikolina when he planned to return and release her later that night. Under cross-examination from Jonathan Sharp QC, 
Kaspshak admitted that he had not returned to free Michalina by 4am when he was arrested at Patrick Borish's home. The prosecutor said, You piled soil over the air holes, knowing that anybody left in that state was going to die. You didn't go back. You fell asleep. You've just buried the mother of your child alive and you fell asleep. Jonathan Sharp QC did not believe Kaspshak's explanation about why Borish was at the house, telling the defendant, If you were going to sit down and talk, why did you get, of all people, Patrick Borish, a 17-year-old, to come with you? Perhaps somebody a bit more mature would have been more suitable. A friend of the family? Maybe a parish priest? These difficult emotional issues between parents are normally dealt with in private. Patrick Borish wasn't there as a witness. He was around because you needed some extra muscle. The prosecutor read a text message that Kaspshak had sent to Borish telling him to wait outside the house before coming in. Sharp asked, What's so special about Patrick Borish that he can't ring the doorbell? It's patently obvious you were going to meet him outside the house for a purpose, to tell him what you were going to do. You had it in mind to overpower Mikolina Lewandowska. Borish's presence was never for a conversation about your son Jakob, was it? You wanted to get Mikolina out of your life. That's why you tasered her and systematically humiliated her throughout the afternoon. Dismissing the defence's claims that Kaspshak had treated Michalina kindly while she was bound, the prosecutor asked, You put food down for her but didn't release her bindings. She needed the bathroom but you didn't release her bindings. You humiliated, bound and gagged her. It's monstrous, isn't it? Dejected, Kaspshak simply replied, Yes. Archin Kaspshak's now 18-year-old co-defendant did not testify in his own defence. The court had heard that Patrick Borish had initially denied any involvement in the kidnapping, but after being confronted with the fact that his fingerprints were found on the tape used to bind Michalina's ankles and the box she was buried in, he eventually admitted his role in the crime. In an effort to highlight the young man's character, Statements from people who knew him were read to the court. The jury heard that Borish was considered respectful, polite, punctual and well-behaved during his time at All Saints Catholic College and Kirklees College, where he was thought to be a gifted student. Statements from Borish's family, friends and parish priest Father Stanislav Ocella were read to the court. Borish had ambitions to become a pilot, and he had finished an air cabin crew training course through the Aviation Academy at Leeds Bradford Airport. Referring to the positive image painted of the defendant, Jonathan Sharp QC said, If Patrick Borish really is all these things we're hearing, well-behaved and sensitive, why did he stay at the scene of the attack unless he was forewarned? He would have said, I'm not staying here, but instead he joined in. 
during his closing statement. Patrick Borish's counsel, David Hatton QC, said that his client had only played a minor role in the kidnapping and subsequent burial of Mikolina Lewandowska. The barrister referred to the victim's own words when she explained that she did not blame the teenager and felt he had been tricked by Kaspshak in the way she had. After telling the jury that although they might think that Borish had no moral fibre and his actions were indicative of a callous indifference, no evidence had been presented that showed he had tried to kill Michalina. Atten asked the jury, Do you seriously believe for one moment that this 17-year-old boy turned up at that house intending to kill? Kaspshak's counsel, Julian Goose QC, took the same approach in telling the jury that they had to be sure his client intended to kill Michalina, not frighten or scare her. The barrister said, Don't decide on feelings of revulsion, or if you think you don't understand what could have motivated someone to behave like that. Don't base this on that you feel sorry for Michalina. If you say to yourself, well, I think that he intended to kill her, that's not enough. You've got to be sure. Citing the fact that Kaspshak had loosened the tape around Michalina's wrists when she lost feeling in her fingers, and that he fed her some banana and gave her a pillow as she lay incapacitated on the ground, Julian Goose QC said that his client wouldn't have done those things if he had intended on killing her. Kaspshak's counsel insisted that despite what the jury might see as monstrous behaviour, his client had only intended to scare Michalina into leaving. Julian Goose QC told the jury, It's almost impossible for any normal person to understand why he did this, but you cannot say it was an intention to kill. After six hours of deliberations on Friday, December 16th, 2011, the jury were sent home for the weekend. They returned to deliberate on Monday the 19th, and after another two hours, they came to a majority decision. Patrick Borish was found not guilty of attempted murder prompting his mother to burst out crying with relief in the public gallery. Borish had previously admitted a charge of kidnapping. As for Marcin Kaspshak, he was found guilty of attempted murder, which brought a similar response from his mother, but hers were tears of anguish. The defendants were remanded back into custody to face sentencing in the new year. Outside the courtroom, lead investigator from West Yorkshire Police's major inquiry team, Detective Chief Inspector Lisa Griffin, spoke of the tremendous bravery the survivor had shown during her ordeal. The detective said, Now that Kaspshak has been found guilty for attempting to murder her, I hope that this brave woman will be able to move on with her life. As soon as we were made aware of this crime, the Homicide and Major Inquiry team, together with Huddersfield CID, conducted a thorough investigation and it has been proved in court that this was no prank 
This was a determined effort to kill this, this young woman and to end her life. Detective Chief Inspector Griffin went on to say, Gasp Shack has shown himself to have been an unpleasant intimidator of a vulnerable woman, and I am pleased that he is now behind bars where he belongs. DCI Griffin also thanked Dan Brockley, who had stopped his car to assist Michalina as she emerged from the woods after escaping. Michalina was not in court to hear the verdict, but her statement was read by Detective Constable Christine Freeman. I've just informed Michalina of the verdict and she's, she's very happy that justice has been done. She has issued a statement that she's asked me to read. During my time inside the shallow grave where I was buried alive, I feared that my life was at an end and that I was going to die. I prayed to God to help me survive so that I could look after my young son. The thought of my son gave me the strength to fight my way out of the box and save myself. I really hope that no one else will ever experience what I went through on that day in May at the hands of a man whom I loved and trusted. Following this traumatic event, I've received excellent support from the officers and staff at West Yorkshire Police. I have no family in the United Kingdom, but the police have cared for me better than I could have ever have wished for, and I would like to thank them most sincerely. That same day, Michalina's parents, Jan and Miro Slava, spoke with a reporter for the Daily Mail. Her father explained that he never approved of her relationship with Marcin Kaspshak. I always knew something wasn't right about Marcin right from the start. We didn't make eye contact. He was spoiled and overprotected. Maybe because he is an only child and a mummy's boy. His mother kept him cooped up in a cage like a chicken all his life, so when he went out into the world, he didn't really know what to do. Jan offered his thoughts as to why Kaspshak acted the way he did. Michalina's father said, The conflict between them got worse and worse, but there was no violence. Then this happened. Either his muscle-building steroids messed with his brain, or he went crazy for some reason. Jan believed that Kaspshak was motivated by greed, wanting his son to be raised the way he was. Michalina's mother echoed her daughter's sentiments of being tormented by Kaspshak even while she slept. Miroslava said, I am so happy with the verdict because for me, it means peace at last. I was waking up at night having nightmares in which I saw Marchin's face. He was haunting me like a ghost. Before the defendants were sentenced, a hearing was held at Huddersfield Magistrates Court to see whether or not Andre Kaspshak could visit his son in jail. Andre had been convicted of drink driving in the same month that Michalina was kidnapped. He was banned for a period of 22 months, but in October of that year he was caught behind the wheel again. The magistrates imposed a five-month curfew order, which had been varied to allow him to attend the trial. However, his counsel expressed concerns that the electronic tag he had to wear would prevent him from being able to see his son behind bars. 
The probation service subsequently informed the court that Andre would be able to visit his son, which brought some relief for Marcin Kaspshak's parents. On January 13, 2012, Marcin Kaspshak and Patrick Borish were brought back to Leeds Crown Court to be sentenced. Kaspshak's counsel, Julian Goose QC, told the court that his client was remorseful for what he had done. The barrister said, He realises that as a result of what has happened, he is unlikely to see or have the care of his son again. He will have to live with that. Presiding Judge Peter Collier QC addressed Kaspshak before passing the sentence. He spoke about the impact on Michalina, saying, She is suffering and will continue to suffer significant psychological harm. I am satisfied that these events will unsettle any prospect of stability for her for years to come. Kaspshak stood emotionless in the dock as the judge ordered him to serve concurrent sentences of 20 years in prison for attempted murder and 12 years and 18 months for kidnapping. Judge Peter Collier QC said that Kaspshak would have to serve half of that sentence behind bars and the rest on licence. Addressing Patrick Borish, who had been acquitted of attempted murder but pleaded guilty to kidnapping, the judge accepted that Borish's culpability was less than his co-defendant. He was recruited and did not have murder in mind. Judge Collier did, however, tell Borish that he had played a pivotal role in taking Michalina to the isolated woods, where she was left alone in a shallow grave to suffer. Patrick Borish was sentenced to four years in a young offenders' institute as he had been 17 at the time of the offence. 227 days were reduced from the sentence to account for the time he had spent on remand. So where are we now? In December 2012, Marcin Kaspshak filed an appeal against his conviction and sentence, claiming that he did not get a fair trial and that his sentence was too long. Kaspshak's barrister argued that the judge erred when he told the jury they could take any inference from Kaspshak's decision to remain silent during police interviews and the judge erred when he implied that Patrick Borish's lies were not to be taken as an inference of his guilt. Subsequently, the appeal judges rejected these arguments, stating that the conviction was not unsafe, and the sentences were fair considering that the three charges he had been found guilty of or pleaded guilty to had been dealt with together. One week later, Marcin Kaspshak was back at Leeds Crown Court, where he pleaded guilty to eight counts of possession of offensive explosives in relation to the chemicals and compounds found at his address, two days after Mikolina Lewandowska was kidnapped. The pleas were accepted, 
and the prosecution announced that there was no evidence that Kaspshack had done anything more than some experiments at his home. Kaspshack was sentenced to four years to run concurrently with the other sentences he had received. Detective Chief Inspector Lisa Griffin with the West Yorkshire Police spoke about the sentence outside of court. This brings to a successful conclusion an extremely complex and lengthy investigation that began in May 2011 with the kidnap and attempted murder of Mikolina Lewandowska. During that trial, Marcin Kaspshak showed himself to be an unpleasant, intimidating man who fully deserved the lengthy sentence he received. This latest trial is further proof that Kaspshak is a man who should be behind bars and we are pleased with the actions of the judge. I'm also very pleased for the victim and her young son. Michalina has been through extremely difficult times, and I hope that she can now finally move on with her life. Later that month, Michalina was interviewed by a correspondent for the Huddersfield Daily Examiner. She spoke from an undisclosed location, a great distance from where she was almost killed, explaining that she hates her former partner for what he did. Michalina offered her thoughts about the man who almost killed her. He is vile and despicable. I will never forgive him for what he did. Some nights I dream of him. In one dream he tries to grab my hand so he can pull me towards him and I don't know whether to give him my hand or not. He wanted me dead and planned to kill me in the most horrific way imaginable, but I was not going to let him succeed, and using my last bit of strength I kicked and clawed my way out of that grave. Now he's the one who is imprisoned, and I hope he rots in there. In May 2013, Marcin Kaspshak filed another appeal against his sentence. This too was ultimately dismissed. Thank you for listening, and special thanks to our patrons for their support. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.